welcome to the Coaching Kids Curling Podcast. My name is Glenn Gabriel, and I'm a certified curling coach who lives in Pickering, Ontario, Canada. Are you going to teach kids how to curl? Never done it before? In this episode, I'm going to share the eight things I wish I knew before I started coaching kids. In this week's Coaching Tidbit, I'll tell you about a coach that has influenced a generation of today's curling coaches. The year is 2007. A coaching friend of mine gave me the opportunity to earn the practical hours for my certification. The only catch? I would have to coach teenagers. As I mentioned in previous episodes, I never ever wanted to coach kids. In fact, until 2007, my only experience coaching kids was one season as the head coach of my sister's house league softball team. I was never a camp counselor or a teacher's assistant or even a babysitter, so working with kids was foreign to me. Fast forward to 2020. I've been teaching kids and teens how to curl for more than a dozen years. But if I could go back in time and give myself some coaching advice, What would that be? Now, before I begin, I'm going to do my best to keep each point short and sweet. I could really take each one of these and make a separate episode of each one of them. But I want to just get through this list without taking too many tangents. So, here we go. Eight things I wish I knew before I started coaching kids. Number one, if you're going to teach kids to curl, Make sure it's fun. Sounds really obvious, right? But let's break it down. Why does it have to be fun? Well, if it isn't, you're going to lose their interest fast. And trust me, there's plenty of competition for their time. Other sports, art, music, computer games, we're in a battle for their attention. So make sure curling is fun. But Coach Glenn... How do we make it fun? Well, here's the short answer. Keep your practices active and competitive, and don't forget the silly things either. And please avoid the fun killers of lineups and lectures. How can you tell that they're having fun? Well, are they smiling? Do you hear laughter? Or do you see rolling eyes and bored faces? Always be aware of the emotional state of the kids. And be prepared to change things on the fly if your original plans don't work. Number two, kids want to throw rocks. What's the most fun part of curling? I'm going to bet that the number one answer for kids is that they want to throw rocks. Period. So, I'm begging you coaches, do everything you can at every practice to get the kids to throw rocks. I've done my fair share of learn-to-curl clinics and try curling sessions, and I'm telling you, especially for newcomers, anything you do to delay throwing rocks is not fun. Don't get me wrong, some kids love the strategy part of curling, and others love to sweep the heck out of a rock. But ultimately, kids want to throw rocks. They want to get the rocks in the house, and they want to hit other rocks. Simple as that. Number three. Kids don't need a perfect slide. The slide is the defining skill of our sport. 
so it's no surprise that much of our practice time is spent teaching kids how to slide better. But here's the truth. You don't need a perfectly balanced delivery to be a good curler. You just need enough stability. Now, does that mean kids might be leaning on their stabilizer? Maybe leaning on their rock sometimes? Sure. But sometimes, our obsession for the perfectly balanced slide can turn into overkill. One of my favorite coaches is Bill Sherhart, a national team coach for Curling Canada. Here's part of a blog post he wrote in 2013. Quote, Each one of us, given that we got a good start in the game by receiving instruction from a certified instructor so that we don't make obvious mistakes, has a very serviceable delivery inside of us. The goal of a good instructor or coach is to help you let that delivery out and to make you aware of why it's the best way for you to deliver a curling stone. Not because anyone else does it that way, but because it's the best way for you to do it. So coaches, don't obsess over a perfect delivery, especially for kids. And here's some extra food for thought. In my experience as a kids curling coach, there are good reasons to believe that their slide will improve as they get older. You have to consider things like their physical development through puberty, an increased emotional maturity, and even a peer pressure or an increased motivation from their fellow age group curlers. So keep working on that slide, but don't obsess over it. Number four, there is no one way to teach every kid. You can't teach every kid the same way. Some kids are going to get things faster than others. Some have physical limitations. Some have preferred learning methods, like audio, visual, or hands-on. There are some topics that some kids like more than others. For example, skipping. So, their attention level is going to vary. So, you have to treat each kid individually. If you ever find yourself talking to yourself and saying, they're just not getting it. Coach, look at yourself first. Are you using all the tools in your coaching toolbox? Do you have enough tools? Maybe it's time to get some more. Number five, if you see kids misbehaving, act on it. When it comes to misbehaving, there's a continuum, anywhere from annoying to damaging. But the general principle still applies. If you see bad behavior, always act on it. Example one. If the kids are goofing off, like not paying attention to the game or disrupting others, give them a warning. If they continue the behavior, give them a timeout off the ice. In the future, you may want to change elements of the practice itself to try and minimize those behaviors. So, for example, you may want to break up groups into smaller numbers so there's fewer lineups. Or you may want to separate kids who cause trouble together and put them into different groups, at least temporarily. Example 2. If a kid is unmotivated and doesn't want to participate, take them aside and ask them if they're okay. You might want to point out that they're not their usual self. Don't press the issue, but let them know that you're willing to listen if and when they're ready to share. And if they need time to be off the ice, let them have it. Again, if you see kids behaving badly, don't ignore it. 
Looking back in time, I should have trusted my gut. Some of my biggest regrets were not acting immediately after I saw bad behavior. Number six, value the soft skills of coaching. I hate to admit it, but early in my coaching career, I wasn't a fan of friendly coaches, especially if I thought that they didn't have the technical know-how that I did. Granted, I was never the most touchy-feely, emotionally intelligent person, but I knew that I had a better technical knowledge of teaching curling than those friendly coaches. Why would new curlers want to learn from someone who is teaching them obviously the wrong things? Well, it took me a long time to get over myself before I could answer the question honestly. It doesn't matter how much you know if your students don't want to listen to you in the first place. In coaching, there's a term called soft skills, which refers to the skills that a coach possesses that are not related to the technical knowledge of their particular sport. For example, communication, body language, relationship building. All of these soft skills, and by the way, I think soft skills is a terrible term, all of them are necessary to develop trust between coaches and athletes. So do your best to improve and develop these skills. As a wise coach once told me, the kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Number seven, don't fall victim to imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is a phrase I originally learned through podcasting. It refers to someone who's afraid to start a podcast because they don't feel like they're worthy enough to do it. In a coaching sense, you feel like you're not good enough or smart enough or experienced enough to coach, and that your ideas aren't worth mentioning or have value. Let me state this clearly. You are good enough to coach kids. As long as you get a basic amount of training and you always consider the best interests of the child, you can coach kids. Here's the problem with imposter syndrome. No matter how much experience or certification you have, you never think you're good enough. So you never step outside your box. I can speak for myself and this podcast. Right now, there are curling podcasts out there that are hosted by famous players, world and Olympic champions, and coaches who work with national programs. Personally, I didn't think I was worthy to put out this podcast. But objectively, I've been a coach for 15 years, constantly learning, keeping my certifications updated, working with hundreds of kids, and networking with coaches in curling and other sports. Who else was going to produce this podcast about coaching kids? If it wasn't me, then who? So if you're thinking about being a kids curling coach, but don't think you're good enough, we need you. The world needs you and your unique set of experiences, knowledge, and physicality. Don't underestimate yourself. Number eight, let the kids play. Never forget that curling is a game, and you need to give kids time to play that game. Not only that, but give kids time for free play, without the coaches and volunteers hovering over them all the time. Think back to all the games you played as a kid. Most of them weren't organized. They were the informal games you played with your friends in the neighborhood and in the schoolyard. 
Our kids need more of that. We made it. Those are the eight things I wish I knew before I started coaching kids. I think this will give you a head start if you're just beginning your coaching journey. I'd like to give a shout out to Coach Dave Holt and the Coaching Youth Baseball podcast that inspired this episode with a similar episode last March called Nine Things I Wish I Knew When I Started Coaching Baseball. Just goes to show you, you can always learn something from other sports. Okay, now it's time for this week's Coaching Tidbit. In this segment, I share a piece of coaching information that might help you in your coaching education. One of the most well-known curling resources is called A Pain in the Glass, A Coach's Companion. Published in 2010, this coaching manual was written by Coach Bill Sherhart, who is a national team coach for Curling Canada and who was previously mentioned in this episode. If you've ever used drills like crazy eights or line dancing with your kids, then you're already familiar with his work. Coach Bill also writes articles on his own blog. I'm hoping to interview Coach Bill for a future episode of this podcast. This has been the Coaching Kids Curling Podcast. To reach me, Coach Glenn, please email coachingkidscurling at gmail.com. To subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at coachingkidscurling.com. You can also find show notes and links to the resources mentioned in this episode and in previous episodes. The intro and outro music was Golden Sunrise by Josh Woodward. Thanks for listening. Good luck and good curling.